I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. We will close out this book this morning that we have spent the last number of months together walking through. If you are new to North River Church, I want you to know that we make it a practice week in and week out to open God's Word together, to walk through books of the Bible verse by verse. And so as we complete the book of Galatians this morning, uh, that is book number 12 uh, since I've been here the last six years. And so I uh, want you to know that uh, we have finished 12 after this week, and uh, there are 66 books total, so we got a long way to go, church before we get finished. And I want to encourage you to uh, make sure as you come in each week, you come prepared uh, with your copy of God's Word. If you don't have a copy, I'd encourage you to take one that's in the seat back in front of you. If you don't own one, that's our gift to you. And I encourage you to read it throughout the week and then come prepared as we open God's Word together on Sunday mornings. As we do that this week, the message is entitled, Boasting in the cross, boasting in the cross. And I've got a quick question for you. What are you incredibly excited about today? Don't answer that out loud. If you're an Alabama fan, we already know. <laughs> Last night, that was your dream come true. If you're a Georgia fan, which I think there's three of us in the congregation. There we go. There they are. <laughs> This coming weekend and then a national championship after 40 years of drought is uh, what we're excited about this year. Uh, you're a grandparent here this morning. You're excited about your grandkids. And if you got the chance to spend Thanksgiving with them, those memories are embedded in your mind right now. You're thinking about them and you are likely smiling. And you're happy that they stayed with parents, right, after eating Thanksgiving. You know, for all of us, there are things that we get excited about. If you think about it in this way, there are things in our lives that if you, if you imagine a spotlight, that, that we shine a spotlight on in our lives. Things that we look at, that we value. In fact, things that we just can't help but talk about. If you meet a grandparent and you ask them about their grandkids, be prepared for a long conversation with pictures. If you ask someone here who's got a favorite football team about their football team, you better be prepared for a long conversation about that. The things that we are excited about, we talk about. We focus on, we shine the spotlight on in our lives. And as we look at the text this morning, what I want you to recognize and understand as Paul is closing out this important book is that he is going to end this book by shining the spotlight on the cross of Jesus Christ. That for Paul, that is what is most important in our lives as believers. And I think as we walk through the text this morning, as we unpack it together, focusing in on verse 14 this morning. My hope and my prayer is that we too would be known as people who shine the spotlight, not on any of the secondary issues that we're excited about, as much as we shine it on the cross of Jesus Christ. 
I want to read the text for us this morning, and then we'll walk back through it together. Paul writes in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 6, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my own body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea, this truth that we see emphasized in the text this morning. And it's this, we can boast in many things in this life, but none compare to the cross of Jesus Christ. Church family, there's a lot of things that we could get excited about. There's a lot of things in our lives that we get excited about, a lot of things in the culture that we get excited about. There are a lot of things that we can get excited about, but there is nothing more important, more glorious, more worthy of boasting about than the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, as we've walked through this important book, Paul has been emphasizing for us the true gospel of Jesus Christ. If you remember back at the beginning of the book of Galatians, Paul had made an argument for about four chapters against those who had come into the church and were trying to convince the believers there that it wasn't enough to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, be saved from their sins. Salvation was that plus some type of work. He emphasizes later on in the book that it's the act of circumcision or it's the process of following all of the Old Testament laws, both not only the moral law of God, but the civil and the ceremonial laws. If you don't do that, you can't actually be saved. And Paul, from the very beginning, has been emphasizing, has been hammering over and over and over the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are saved not on the basis of anything that we have done, but totally on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You and I can't save ourselves from our sin. We are desperate in need of a Savior who is worthy to lay His life down and to pay your debt of sin and my debt of sin. His name is Jesus. Paul has been hammering that truth over and over and over again. 
He's been saying to the believers there, don't fall for the lie of a false gospel of works. Remain true, remain steadfast that the true gospel of Jesus Christ is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. After four chapters of Paul essentially saying the same thing over and over and over again, he then says, in light of this, in light of what Christ has done for you, in light of being a new creation in Christ, now here's how you are to live. You don't live out of trying to earn God's favor. You live a life out of having already earned God's favor. You may be here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you wonder, what does it take? What things do I have to do to earn God's favor? Do I have to live a perfect life? Do I have to do certain things? Do I have to come to church? What is it that saves me from my sin? And let me say to you this morning, there is one person who can save you from your sin. And it's not you. His name is Jesus. He is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins and be brought into the family of God. Paul has hammered that truth over and over again and said, in light of that truth, now here's how you are to walk out the Christian life. Paul is getting ready to close as we look at the verses in chapter 6, beginning in verse 11, and he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Paul often would have used someone else to write his letters for him. He would have dictated the, the letters to them so that they could send them out. But here, what Paul is saying is, I have actually picked up the quill and I am actually writing in my hand these final words. He says that they are large letters that he's writing. Paul likely had some type of problem with his eyesight. And so for him, he wrote in probably illegible script, and it was large letters, he says, that he's writing. But notice what he says in verse 12. It is those who want to make a showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. Now, Paul is about to put a bow on this book, and he circles back to the initial conversation that he had with these believers about what it means to be saved from our sin. It's not on the basis of works, and he emphasizes that once again. He says those who are coming in are really trying to take advantage of you. He said... They want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order, here's the reason Paul says why, that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they can boast in your flesh. Paul says to these believers as he is closing out this letter, he wants them to understand that those who are coming in and preaching this false gospel of works are simply seeking to take advantage of these believers, to cause disruption in the community, to try and push them beyond the true gospel to a false gospel, not because it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it makes them look better. 
It takes the spotlight off of Jesus and it puts it on these false teachers. They're able to brag. They're able to boast. They're able to look and say, look how many converts we have. Look at these people who are following us. They were previously following the gospel of Paul, but now they're following us. Let's build a crowd. Let's have more people show up so that our names become great. And I want you to notice, and I want us to camp out in verse 14, because Paul closing out this letter shines the spotlight not on himself, but on the cross of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but if I was Paul, and you look at all that Paul accomplished in his life, you look at his impact in these churches throughout the Roman world, you look at him being the first missionary who was spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, wrote almost half the New Testament. If anyone probably could say, shine the spotlight on me, I'm a pretty big deal. It was Paul. I want you to notice verse 14. This is what Paul writes. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says these false teachers are boasting in themselves. They're boasting in what they have accomplished. But but me, if I'm going to boast in anything... It's not going to be in my resume. It's not going to be in my theological understanding. It's not going to be in how many churches I've planted. It's not going to be that I'm the first missionary that spread the gospel throughout the known Roman world. It's not going to be that I wrote half the New Testament. If I'm going to boast in anything, it's in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this first truth. We're going to see Paul outline it in The second part of verse 14, he says, When we boast in the cross, we declare our allegiance to Jesus and to his kingdom. We declare our allegiance to Jesus and to his kingdom. Notice in verse 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how he follows this up. By which the world has been crucified to me. Paul says, if we're going to shine the spotlight as believers on anything, let us shine the spotlight on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, he says here, the world has been crucified to me. When we boast in the cross, we declare our allegiance to Jesus and to his kingdom. Paul is emphasizing that as he's writing these words. You got to know the context of what's going on in the Roman world at this point in time. There was a phrase that was often used. There is one God or there is one ruler and it is Caesar. Caesar was viewed as God. You would submit yourself only to Caesar in the Roman world at this point in time. But Paul says, no, that's not how this works. There is a king that is greater than Caesar. When Paul says here that he is crucified to the world, what he's saying is that because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the world and its systems that are set up come underneath for us as believers 
our allegiance to King Jesus and to his kingdom. I want you to hear me this morning, church. For every single believer that is in this room today, your allegiance ultimately is to King Jesus. I want you to know I love this country. I'm a patriot. I love the fact that we live in the United States of America, but Scripture paints a picture for us as followers of Jesus that the kingdom of God expands beyond the United States of America's borders. That God is at work throughout this world, and He has been from all of history past through the present and into the future. And what Paul is saying here as he writes these words that the world has been crucified to me is that there is no ruler on this planet who commands my allegiance like Jesus does. He says in this moment that for me, I have been crucified to the world. Say, hang on just a second, Paul. Don't you want notoriety? Don't you want people to look at you and to listen to you? And Paul would say over and over and over again, you can kill me and I go to be with Jesus. You can let me live and I'm going to preach about Jesus. Regardless of what goes on in my life, my focus, my allegiance is ultimately to Jesus. Let me ask you this question. Could you echo that this morning? Could you fall in line with Paul and say that? The world has been crucified to me. That my ultimate allegiance is not to this country. It's not to a political party. My ultimate allegiance is to Jesus and him alone. You see, when we do that, it transforms the way we live in this world. It affects everything about how we interact in this world. We look at this world around us as a mission field to be a part of what Jesus Christ is doing to transform hearts and lives. Paul would also say that for us as followers of Jesus that We are strangers and aliens in this world. This world is not our home. Some of you look and you say, man, that's a good thing. Because this world is jacked up. And the reality is, it is. And it is because of sin. And that's the problem in this world. And the only solution in this world to solve that problem is Jesus Christ. So for us as followers of Jesus, our allegiance ultimately is to Him and to His kingdom. You know, as Jesus spent time throughout His ministry, one of the things that His disciples didn't really understand was how He was going to make this thing work. They heard him say things about his kingdom, and for them, mentally, that was he was going to set up an earthly kingdom, that he was going to crush Rome, 
that he was going to take over, that Caesar would have to bow his knee to Jesus. And they said, that's the route. That's what we're going after. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he lays his life down. And for his disciples, most of them were absolutely perplexed. They didn't understand. What happened to this king? What happened to this ruler that was going to set up his kingdom? In fact, what Jesus is mocked for as he's on the cross is being the king of the Jews. And I want you to notice that the cross was simply the beginning point of Jesus' kingdom infiltrating every aspect of this planet. It was the starting point. The cross of Jesus Christ was not the end of the story. It was simply the beginning of His story. And Paul here says, in light of that, I have been crucified to this world. What does it mean to be crucified to the world? What does it mean for the world to be crucified to us? Paul is emphasizing for us, it transforms our mentality in this world when we take this approach. You see, so much of life, if you think about it, is... How do we make the most for ourselves in this world? How do we accomplish the most? How do we do the most? How do we gain the most? How do we earn the most? How do we invest the most? How do we get all that we can in this world? But Paul says, for us as followers of Jesus, this world is not our home. This world is not our king. He continues on. I want you to notice this second truth. When we boast in the cross, we declare our dependence on Jesus and his way of life. Notice what Paul says in the last part of verse 14. Not only is the world crucified to me, but Paul says, and I to the world. It's one thing for us to look and to say, the world is crucified to me. I know that Jesus is my king. I know that this world is not my home. But Paul says there's something else as well for us to say we are crucified to the world. If you think about that, what Paul is emphasizing here with the spotlight shining on the cross of Jesus Christ, Paul's emphasis is that we are totally and utterly dependent on Jesus. Now think about that with me in your life. Would you say that your life is marked by total and utter dependence on Jesus? You say, Pastor, I'm kind of self-reliant. I kind of do my own thing. I live kind of my own way. But as a follower of Jesus, Paul says here that he is crucified to the world. Meaning that Paul's concern is not primarily a claim from the world. It's not primarily prestige in the world. He's not worried about what the world thinks of him. In fact, Paul says, I have been crucified to the world. For Paul in this moment, he says, I am utterly dependent on Jesus. And not only that, but utterly dependent on Jesus' way of life. When you look at Jesus' teaching. One of the things that was said often about him was he was 
one who taught with authority. In fact, Jesus took the Old Testament and pushed it beyond just moral laws that we are to do and said it's about our heart. It's about what's going on in the depths of who we are. For us as followers of Jesus, Paul reminds us here that every day that our feet hit the floor, we should look at this world around us and say, I have been crucified to the world, as Paul says here. Why? Because if we're not careful, we'll get trapped up and worried about what the world thinks of us. We like to joke about it with teenagers and say that they experience peer pressure, but let's just cut to the chase. Every single one of us does. Every single one of us has pressure that is mounting on our lives by the world that's around us saying, here's what you ought to believe. Here's what you ought to do. Here's how much money you should make. Here's the car you should drive. Don't believe me? Just turn the television on and watch the commercials. Friday was Black Friday. Why? Because they have told you and me that we need more than what we already have. And if you'll buy this, you'll be happy. But Paul here says for us, we as followers of Jesus have been crucified to the world. Verse 15, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you and I, Paul says, are new creation. We've been transformed. Our lives have been redeemed. We are now children of God. We experience the joy of walking with our heavenly father, of experiencing life as it was intended to be lived. The world is crucified to us and we have been crucified to the world. We find our identity not in what the world says, but in Jesus Christ, our savior. Verse 16, Paul says, as for all who walk by this rule. By this rule, Paul didn't lay out a new rule that we have to follow. Paul is saying that this is a rule of life. This is a mentality. This is an understanding for us to shine the spotlight on the cross of Jesus Christ. For the world to be crucified to us, for us to be crucified to the world, is a new way to view life on this planet. And for all who walk by this rule, for all who focus the spotlight of their lives on the cross of Jesus Christ, for all to whom the world has been crucified and to them to be crucified to the world, Paul says, peace and mercy be upon them. Maybe here this morning, and for you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you have lacked any sense of peace in your life as a follower of Jesus. In fact, when Scripture talks about peace that passes all understanding, you think about that and you go, man, I'd love to have that. Why don't I have that? Can I submit to you that it's possible that for you and your life, you are shining the spotlight on everything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Even as a follower of Jesus, you are thinking that all of these other things that you get excited about will bring meaning and purpose to your life. And for us as believers, Paul says, the only thing that can bear the weight of the spotlight of our heart is the cross of Jesus Christ. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Paul says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. I want to ask you if you would to bow your heads with me and close your eyes and I want to give us an opportunity this morning to do a bit of soul searching as we close out our service today. If your life over the last weeks, months, were characterized by a play, And in that play, the spotlight is shining on a number of different things. In your life, where does the light rest the most? Is it in the cross of Jesus Christ? Maybe for you today, you are not yet a follower of Jesus. This is an opportunity for you to recognize there's no way that you can save yourself from your sin. You need a Savior to save you. And Jesus Christ laid his life down so that your sins could be forgiven. So that you could be brought into the family of God. And this is an opportunity this morning for you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation to declare today that the spotlight of your heart is on the cross of Jesus Christ that's a step that you need to take this morning we'd love nothing more than to come along beside you to talk with you about that maybe you fill out a connection card and drop that off at the welcome desk or maybe you come at the invitation time and just let myself or Pastor Aaron know that that's the step that you need to take this morning. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus and as we looked at the text this morning, you honestly looking at your life say, Pastor, my spotlight's all over the place. on any number of things but this morning I see I recognize that the greatest place it can be is on the cross of Christ and the impact that has on my life maybe this is an opportunity for you this morning to declare once again that this world 
is crucified to you. That you are crucified to this world. That Jesus is king. This world is not your home. Your main aim in life, your main goal, your main objective is to walk with him. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning. Help us to respond to your spirit. Where there's conviction of sin, help us to take it seriously. For those who need to take the step of trusting Jesus as their Savior, give them the courage today. Father, work in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join us as we sing in this invitation time? You need to spend some time in prayer. If we can pray for you or with you, you come now.